So as we hit this point in our study on, now it's, this week it's on spiritual gifts. But there's one spirit that's given, but there's many gifts. This is an important topic. It's an important topic because spiritual gifting is, is important to our spiritual development. It's important for the health of the local expression of the body of Christ. You guys know I tend to not, it slips out because it's been ingrained in me my whole life to say church. Um, I keep trying to work on saying the local expression of the body of Christ just because the, the church is not this building. And the church is not just this church. And the church is not just a denomination or any of those things. The church is the entire body of Christ all around the world made up of all kind of people and all kind of different backgrounds and at different stages on their spiritual walk. And, but we're still one family. We're all together. And so it's, um, I, I kind of like the, the idea that we're just one local expression of the body of Christ. Spiritual gifts is important to that, the health of that local expression of the body of Christ. And we're going to see that some today. But, but I'll be honest, this is one of those topics where people end up going off the rails. This is one of those topics where in both directions people end up going off the rails. There's people that go to the side of abuse. And so, so many people over the years, um, because they've seen abuse of what was said to be spiritual gifts, then they don't want anything to do with it because they saw it was abuse, and they know it's abuse, and they know it wasn't of God. Then you got people that swing to the... Um, so that's your two sides, and you got people that are abusing, and then you've got people that say, well, I don't want anything to do with the idea of any kind of spiritual gifts because... You, I mean, my goodness, you know, if it's abuse, I'd rather just stay away from it. Neither one of those is healthy. Neither one of those is right. Because to just avoid the, the, all the scripture about spiritual gifts is, is, just to, uh, is really just to be foolish and to miss out on part of what God intends uh, for us. Then on the other hand, to, to get to the point where that's all that you focus on is also wrong. I remember hearing, uh, you know, my dad, I grew up in a, in a Pentecostal church, and, and I remember hearing my dad uh, talk about later in life, he said, you know, um, for all of this that we in that denomination have down about um, the Holy Spirit and, and gifts and things like that, he says, man, we just kind of missed the boat on talking about God's grace and God's mercy and all that stuff, because that's all we focused on. All we focused on was this one portion and so it's really, really important that we get this right. And I, I compare it to, I was thinking uh, through this morning, I compare it to a basketball player. If you ever have a basketball player that gets all excited because, um, you know, he's in practice one day and he says, uh, man, I'm going to run over here, you know, to half court. It's about time where coach is like, hey, we're going to take a break. And he runs up to half court and he just slings the ball down the court and he hits it. He makes the basket. And he's like, wow. I mean, because, you know, you see that sometimes. You see the stuff where they, they set up for people to, to do a half-court shot, and maybe they win a car, or maybe they win $20,000 or something like that. And, but, but that player during practice, he, he hits that shot, and he goes, you know what? From now on, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to practice, and all I'm going to do is practice half-court shots. That's all I'm going to do. Because I hit one, it was exciting, 
Man, my team was high-fiving me, and boy, if I could do that in a game, that'd be awesome. And so he just gives up on trying to shoot the 10-foot jump shot, and he can't hit that to save his life. There's some guys right now, I love sports, and I, I love watching them, and, uh, and I, I try to keep up with, I don't get to watch like a, you know, full games that often, but man, I'll sports center that stuff to death, and and pull up and watch the highlights and all that. And I stay pretty much on, you know, the, the big stuff that's happened. There's some guys in the NBA right now that they're, they're struggling because teams are saying, man, they're so athletic, but they can't really shoot the ball that well. They can go to the basket, and they'll get fouled, and they're all right as a foul shooter, but they can't shoot a 10-foot jump shot to save their life, and these guys are getting paid millions of dollars. And they're struggling because as other team players get on those teams, they're causing issues because you got a point guard that can't shoot and he's got to go to the basket and you got a strong center. If anybody's a basketball fan, I'm talking about the Timberwolves right now. you got a, you got a strong center and he's down low and so now you got a point guard trying to come to the basket all the time. Well, he can't dump the ball off because the center's down there so they're clogging up the lane. See, when you get focused only on one area of your spiritual life, it even makes it difficult on people that are trying to serve God around you because the things that God has called them to do, maybe that's their main strength because you decided you found something that, that you wanted to do in your life. You start trying to do that all the time and other people can't serve where God got them to serve. I was listening to one of the pastors yesterday from, from iFlow he uh, got a card from me. I'm hoping we get a chance to maybe go go uh, speak at their church or something. But he he uh, he made a statement about how that he actually played uh, he played football with a with with Eric Dickerson and and he said, but I, I remember he said he said I was a he was a wide receiver and he said I knew that you know when they called out a certain play. If it was this play, then I knew that my job was I was supposed to run toward the goalpost, and then slant. He said, if I didn't do that, and the quarterback already threw the ball before I come out of my break, then we've got an interception or we just got an incompletion. He said, but then I also knew that if they called, he said, I don't even remember the play. He said, I just remember Eric Dickerson looking at me one time, and he said, hey, you uh, on this 46, he said, I knew I was the six, and that meant I was on this side. And he said, the, the running back was going to come through the hole and he said, I knew that the guy on the line was going to, lineman was going to block to the left. He was going to try to push his guy to the left. I was supposed to block my guy to the right. Because if I tried to block my guy to the left too, I was pushing him in the hole where the running back was supposed to go. And he said, so if I got out of position, or if I didn't know the play, if I didn't know how I was supposed to operate on the team, then I could actually derail what the team was trying to do. Spiritual gifting can be that way. Sometimes believers get so enamored with the idea of spiritual gifting that that's all they focus on, and they lay aside all the other spiritual disciplines and actions that are necessary to daily life in Christ. And again, then you get the opposite, where people say, well, because of that, then I don't, I don't want to focus on spiritual giftings at all, and we walk in less power, spiritual power, than what we're supposed to. So today, we're going to talk about uh, four quick things. We're going to talk about spiritual gifting in the Old Testament. 
the promised gift of the Holy Spirit that then we would see coming into the New Testament, the purpose and the function of spiritual gifts, and then the stewardship of those gifts. So the key question that you would have seen in your book is, what gifts and skills has God given me to serve others? I think it's important. The two words that are used in this, what gifts and skills has God given me to serve others? Because we're going to talk a little bit later how that maybe we've gotten this idea of spiritual gifts. We've just limited it very strictly to just a couple of scriptures that we see in the New Testament. And we don't actually take the full authority of God's word that lets us see how God gifts people. And it might be skills as well. The key idea is that I know my spiritual gifts and use them to fulfill God's purposes. Once we understand that spiritual gifts can include skills, it's probably going to mess with you a little bit, all right? Because then you're going to have to, we're going to talk about that. We're going to have to figure out, because you might, be, you might be saying, well, I don't see certain things going on in my life, so I don't think I have spiritual gifting. And we're going to try to, we're going to, try to snatch you up out of that today. How about that? Our key verse is Romans 12, verses 4 through 6, and this is what that says. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. We're not going to get into the second part of that verse, because it goes into some other stuff. So, so there he says, we've got... One body, but many parts. And the parts have different functions. And although we're one together, we have different gifts. I am thankful that we're different. I think you guys are wonderful looking. You're just fantastic people. I would not all want or want all of us to look exactly like any one of us. That'd be the most boring, ridiculous thing. And if it was, let's pick the best looking one, you know. And it'd be kind of weird, you know, if, if we all look like one because, you know, men and women and y'all look like, well, that'd be kind of odd. That'd be, that'd be some weird junk. Sometimes it's almost like if we're not careful, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's church, whether it's a group you're a part of outside of this, whether it has nothing to do with anything spiritual or whatever. It, sometimes it's real easy for us to get where we want everybody to be just like us. They got to like all the things we like. If they don't like something that we don't like, it was so funny because that, that, that men's conference yesterday, the, the theme of it was it's game time. We were the first group. We were the first group to lead worship, and then I was the first speaker after that before lunch. And, and so they were starting to put a few little decorations up. I'll be honest with you. He came up there near that platform with an Auburn football. I wish Terry and Chris was here right now. I wish we was on Facebook live because I'd be sure. I looked and I said, brother, you need to. <laughs> I, I looked and I said, brother, you don't need to stop the flow of God's spirit by putting that thing up here. I said, I don't, <laughs> I said, I don't know whether, whether it's going to be on the platform. Somebody's going to do with that football <laughs> or whether it's going to be happening out there and can't make it to the platform. But either way, somebody's going to do without. I was just messing with him. <laughs> but I'm glad we're not all the same. I'm glad we're different. I'm glad we look different. And sometimes we, 
Um, we even think a little different. We need to believe the same. Now, the Bible's pretty clear on that. The Bible's pretty clear about that, that we need to believe. We need to come to God's truth because it's not about, well, you need to believe like I believe. That, that's arrogance and that's, that's condescending. It's we need to believe like God is. It's not we need to believe like God believes. God is the source of truth. God is the... So we just need to believe what God has said. Now, the challenge is that we know... I had somebody ask me one time, they said, Nathan, do you believe that God intended for there to be all these different denominations? I said, absolutely not. And you can't find any biblical support for that. He said, whoa, are you saying denominations are not of God? I said, absolutely, I'm telling you that denominations are not of God. This is going to be recorded. This is going on. I'm just, I'm just being... I said, now, I'm not talking about, well, there's some specific, but God never intended for us to be divided. I'm not saying, I'm not talking about, well, you ought to be non-denominational or denominational. My point is that God intended for us to all be one. God didn't intend for there to be 500 different divisions of Christian believers in the United States with this little bit different interpretation of this scripture and this little bit interpretation of this scripture, I don't know that any of us have it all correct. I don't know that any of us have it all exactly right, but I do know that somewhere there's one truth in God. And I wish that we could find ways to get past the barriers that have us all separated out into these denominational affiliations and all this. Because really all we're saying when people go, well, what are you guys in a unity point? What do you like? And we go, well, you know, we're not affiliated with any particular denomination. Well, what are you close to? <laughs> right? That's what people want to know. That's what people ask. And I'm going, you just need to show up and check it out. I promise ain't nobody going to slap you on the forehead, kick your legs out from under you, you know, nothing else. But now, I mean, if God moves on somebody and they kind of dance around or something, I'm not going to get freaked out. But, I mean, ain't nobody going to take a banner and whack you upside the head and try to lay you down? I mean, it's not, it's not who we are. I said, but now if God makes somebody get in the floor and lay down to worship him and pray or whatever, I'm not going to be going, hey, you need to get up out of the floor. I see all that David, you know, getting prostrate before God. Prostrate, not prostate, sorry. Getting prostrate before God. That word will mess you up in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all different. We need, to be, we need to be finding ourselves moving closer to believing the same across all of, of God's people. But it's okay that we're different. It's, God made you unique and for a purpose. And Now, when you start going, well, the reason that I'm so snarly and all that stuff is because that's just the way God made me. No, that's the way sin made you. I mean, God lets you be created, you know, and all that, but sin affects us that way, and God wants to make you a new creation. So anyway, so don't get hung up on the well. While we're celebrating how God made you, some stuff's not godly. And, and so you've chosen to be that way, and even if it's your natural tendency, then it's okay for us to try to work on it. We all got stuff we're trying to work on. Hopefully, we're transparent enough to talk to one another. It's so interesting to me because we just talked Wednesday night. I promise I'm really going to get to all this message, but, but we just talked Wednesday night, and Debbie brought up about that. Hey, we needed to pray, and I'll keep it high level. But, but you know, for someone who had a situation in their life that they needed, you would expect that they would be able to have a church family pray for them and talk with them and encourage them. And, and this person shared with Debbie said, "I, I don't even feel comfortable." 
after being in a, in, a, in a local body of Christ for 40 years. So I don't even feel comfortable talking to them about this because we don't talk about that kind of stuff at our church. I thought, dear God. I mean, that's, that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. I mean, if you just wanted to kind of feel like you were part of something, you'd get you some surround sound at the house. I don't know. I don't, there's not too many folks I'd recommend you kick them on on Sunday morning and watch on TV. I'm sorry. But, 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 you know, if you just wanted to feel like you was part of something, you could kick on some surround sound and watch somebody on TV and, you know, and stand up if they stand up, you know, and applaud. And, you know, I mean, you could act like you were there. My mom made me do that when I was homeschooling early on. <laughs> She'd tell me, hey, you stand up. They're standing up in that classroom. It was terrible. Donna, it was, it was rough. We were going to make that for two years. That's how I ended up in Jacksonville Christian. <laughs> I stand in there, and we, we, they'd be singing some hymn. I had to have my hymn book out because it, it, it was a video course thing. I'd have, if they stand up, I had to stand up. I had to get dressed like I was going to school. I couldn't wear my pajamas. I don't know what's up with that stuff. If you want to feel like that you're in something, you can just do that. But if you want to have a relationship like God intended where people can come alongside you and in our differences can support you, you're going to have to be part of a local expression of the body of Christ. So he says we're one body, but we're individually members of one another. So catch that. We're one body, we're individual, but we're connected together. That's important. Connection is important. And he says, according to the grace given to us, grace is important when we're connected together because we're not always going to like each other. I'm sorry if that's fresh to you or new to you in church that some that church people would talk about. We might not always like each other. You don't always like everybody in your family. I didn't look at anybody when I said that. I like everybody that's here in my family, and I like y'all. But let's just be honest. You don't like at times. You don't like everybody in your family. Maybe the stuff they're doing. It may be how they've acted towards you or whatever. I mean, you you heard a guy say yesterday. He said you need to recognize something though. I'm gonna do that same illustration. Caleb, come help me out. You can help me out with bird. I, I'm sorry. I'm just sharing some stuff. I told him during worship this morning. Uh, what was saying? I said, man, I just God's just gonna do some good stuff. So, so Bird's going to stand right here. Caleb's going to stand behind him. And, uh, and so he said, you know, here's the deal. You, you over here, and you got some issue with, with Bird. You got some issue with him. And the reality is, since the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and all that stuff, and, and, and the enemy is back here behind him, and he's all up in his ear talking to him. He's just telling him, hey, you need, to, you need to say this about him. Hey, you need to have this problem with him. Hey, can you believe what he's... A Your issue is not with him. Not really. Your issue is with this one, that you need to fight the, the spiritual enemy that's messing with stuff instead of go trying to fight with your brother and your sister. Some of y'all just haven't figured that out yet. You still trying to figure out why you got issues with your unsaved family member when the real issue is you need to be doing some spiritual battle with the enemy that's got a hold of their life and quit being so mad and angry at them. That's right. That's right. Thank y'all guys. He says, so we're, we're individually members of one another and according to that grace that's given to us, because I can promise at some point you're going to irritate somebody. At some point in life, you're going to make somebody, you're going to say the wrong thing, you're going to have a bad day and whatever, and you want them to give you some grace. That's not grease, that's grace. 
We've got different gifts. So what about the Old Testament? What about the, the spiritual gifting in the Old Testament? In, in the Old Testament, we've got a lot of different occurrences of people being empowered with what we would call spiritual giftings, and, and it's a little different than what we see today. That's why I think this is important. I, I really like this, this chapter because I think it does a really good job of, of attacking this in your books because we look at oftentimes at spiritual giftings in today's mindset and we just think about it when it comes to certain spiritual gifts. And we're going to look at Exodus chapter 35 all the way through 36, uh, 1 and understand what some spiritual gifting that happened in the, in the Old Testament. So you get a little different picture on it. Here's what it says. Exodus 35, uh, starting with verse 30. Moses then said to the Israelites, quick backstory, they're getting prepared to build the tabernacle. Not the temple, but you're getting prepared to build the, uh, the, the mobile tabernacle where God's presence is going to be. So Exodus chapter 35, Moses looks at the Israelites and he says, look, the Lord has appointed by name Bezaliel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. So you catch that. The Lord has appointed him. It says, He has filled him with God's spirit, with wisdom, understanding, and ability in every kind of craft to design artistic works in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut gemstones for mounting, and to carve wood for work in every kind of artistic craft. He's also given both him and Oholiab. That'd be a great name. What's your name? My name's Oholiab. Son of Ahasamach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. Check that. So he basically just said God gifted him to be a jeweler, a carver, and the ability to teach other people. All right? He's filled them. Now he's going to expound on it. This dude had it going on. He has filled them with skill to do all the work of a gem cutter, a designer, an embroiderer in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen, and a weaver. They can do every kind of craft and design artistic designs. Then in 36.1, it says, Bazala, Aholiab, and all the skilled people are to work based on everything the Lord has commanded. The Lord has given them wisdom and understanding to know how to do all the work of constructing the sanctuary. Don't nobody want to get up and shout about that. Didn't nobody even say amen. Y'all terrible this morning. You need an amen or something off of that. I'm just telling you. Look, because we go, well, that, that's all awesome and everything, but okay. I mean, look, God, because of what he needed done, God gifted them, and it was not the stuff that we're going to see later in the New Testament. It's not saying that it's one or the other. I want you to understand it's in addition to. It's not all the stuff that we're going to see about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit yet and all that that, that shows up in some of those gifts that we're going to talk about in a minute. But here in the Old Testament, he is empowering them to do things that are just practical. But he gave them great skill to do that in service of the kingdom. So he, he gives them the ability. Because how many people are sitting here thinking, 
on a, on a regular day, how many people, when you go to work, how many of you are sitting here thinking, you know, I'm pretty good at this. God must have gifted me to do this, and he has a purpose for me doing this thing that I do. How many of you, when, when somebody says, you know, you're a great listener, or hey, you're someone who gives great advice, how many of you have stopped and thought, you know what, God may have been gifting me to do that for his purpose and for his plan. We just look and go, well, I'm not a musician, or I'm not a preacher, or I'm not an evangelist, and so I must not really be gifted by God to do something. And yet, here God is gifting these guys, giving them the ability to do embroidery, in order to do weaving, in order to do carving, in order to cut gemstones, in order to design. We have too long taught people erroneous things out of the book of Genesis. We have told people that work is cursed. Work is not cursed. It's not what Genesis says. He said cursed is the ground because the work that you were going to do that was going to be simple where the, the earth was going to cooperate with you is now going to be difficult. They were already working before they sinned because God had told them, here's what I want you to do. Tend the garden. He'd already given them work. It's just where work was going to be really simple and really easy because it was all going to work with them. He said, now, because of your sin, work's going to get hard. But work was never cursed. We have convinced people that, well, you have to go do this thing that you do because you can't just sit at home and do nothing. God never designed for you to sit at home and do nothing. Sorry. Adam and Eve, when he first created them, he gave them work to do. They tended the garden. Now, it was enjoyable. There was no death. Everything wasn't fighting against them and all that. And that's eventually where, where God wants us to be again. He's going to restore things back to where they were originally. But his plan was never for you to be going to heaven and sitting on a cloud. I don't want to see some of y'all sitting on a cloud in a diaper like a Cupid playing a harp. I'm just going to tell you straight up. I don't want to see it. Praise God, that's not what he's going to be doing. <laughs> Woo! That's what people always show, right? They always show people going to heaven and they look like a little Cupid, you know, a little cherub yeah. in a little diaper like. And all, Praise God, you don't want to see me in that either. <laughs> Work's not cursed. And so God, God took and he empowered them and he gifted them. And it was, it was, everyday, it was construction work. It was textiles. You know what happens is, is when we allow the idea of spiritual gifting to just become about prophecy or tongues and interpretation or healing or being a pastor or being an evangelist, then what that does is that make people feel like they don't have a spiritual gifting because they don't have those things. So therefore they feel like they don't have a real part in the body of Christ. Hey, it doesn't really matter if I'm part of the, of the local you know, expression of the body of Christ because I don't really have a part to play. I don't really have anything to do because I don't do some of that stuff on the platform or I don't do some of that. And not recognizing what the reality is. And so we get people that don't feel like they serve a purpose. But the Old Testament, and, and this in, that we just looked at in particular, shows us where God provided skills that serve the community. It served the people around them. It served the faith community. It was swinging a hammer. 
It was cutting wood, carving, designing, engraving, embroidering, weaving, masonry, because he said they'd be able to cut stones and stuff too. So that wasn't just like the gemstone thing. Oh, he talked about gold and silver and all that too. He said, Masons. God gave gave somebody to be a and not Masons like that, but God gave somebody to, to do masonry work. In Daniel chapter two, Daniel's over here. He's in captivity, right? You got a king that's having a dream and is this, we see, God did this more than once. God did this with, with Joseph too. But, but somebody goes, hey, I, I, I think Daniel maybe. And Daniel actually interprets a dream. I don't know if you realize, you just think Joseph was the one interpreting dreams. Daniel actually interprets a dream for King Nebuchadnezzar. And it says, when, when at the end of it, I like at the end of it because Daniel kind of puts the, he seals the deal on his own interpretation of a dream. He says, this dream is valid and the interpretation is accurate and it's from God. And the king, said, it says that, that he basically worshipped and he gave gifts and stuff to Daniel. See, God empowered Daniel with an ability, with a gift to do something that then got him favor with a king. Some folks, you, you're so hung up about that God's not giving you some spiritual gift that's going to be on full display out in a church service, and yet God's going, I'm trying to give you some gifting that's going to get you favor where you need it. Because honestly, a lot of times where you need it is not in the church service. Because everybody here loves you. I mean, even if they kind of get a little, you know, cross-eyes with you every now and then, they still love you. Because they have to, because if Jesus is up in you, you got to be loving people. All right. So sometimes you're not needing favor as much in here as much as you need favor when you're on the job, and then people don't like you. You get a new boss that comes in, and he doesn't really—you don't know why you hadn't done anything to him. It just for some reason y'all don't click. Maybe because they ain't got God in them and you got God in you and it just kind of rubs them the wrong way and they don't even know why they don't like you. But yet you could be like Daniel in captivity because that's how you feel when you go to work every day. You're just telling the truth, right? Some of y'all, you feel like, man, I'm in there. It's like they locked the door behind me. Won't let me come out till 12 hours later. Get some yard time a couple of times during the day. <laughs> The buzzer goes off and all the gates open up, right? You could be over in that situation and God says, I'm going to give Daniel a gift because he needs favor because of the captivity that he's in. This concept is something that's always been a part of this church. I want to share something with you because if you guys don't, if you don't ever go on and look at any of the website stuff that's, that's there, um, this is one of the things that, the, that is at the bottom of the uh, first page. I'm going to move where you can see the big one. This is at the bottom of the, of the home page. And this was, God gave me this before we, before we planted this church, which in February the 1st would be four years ago, by the way. It says, God has gifted each person with things that can be used to reach people with the gospel in action. Maybe it's carpentry, electrical, plumbing, sewing, letter writing, cooking, cleaning, music, listening, accounting, running a business, whatever your talent in the world, it can be used to reach the world. That's one of the aims of UpChurch, to put the God-given talents people have to use in practical ways to live out the gospel message in our community. It's just biblical, y'all. God empowered people. 
when we, before we ever, um, before we were, uh, had our first services, the, uh, um, Danny Vaughn, who works for the, the, one of the news agencies, he came and did a video and, and I actually got upset. I remember I got upset because we did all these, uh, he came and, and videoed in the other church building and, and I, man, I thought I had some great sound bites, you know, because I had time to prepare. Y'all know how, you know, us preachers, we think we can put together a couple of sound bites. I mean, I thought I had some good ones. I was like, man, I got some good stuff in this. Boy, I'm dropping some nuggets, man. I'm, I'm spreading them like throwing grass seed out there, you know. It's like, he can just take any of these. It's going to be good. He took that portion out of the whole thing. Took a thing with me talking about how you could be a, an accountant, a teacher, whatever else, and God wants to use that. And that's what they put on TV. And I was mad. Well, not mad. I was disappointed. I was like, man, come on. I mean, I had some great one-liners in this, you know, but you could have was good for TV. You picked that. Till we had somebody send us on our Facebook <laughs> Thanks, sent us a note and said, I've never thought about that. I've been in church my whole life. And it was so encouraging to me when I saw that video that y'all had. But I don't remember. I think, the, I think the lady was a teacher or something. And she said, and I've never thought about that before. And, and that was it. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> right? I'm sorry. I thought I had a better sound bite than you did. You know, like you're God and I'm me. And I thought I had it. And you knew what somebody needed to hear. And and I thought I had this down. What about the promised gift of the, of the Holy Spirit? So the Old Testament, we see where God gifted people in things that were beyond just what we see in, in Acts alone. The promised gift of the Holy Spirit, uh, we got Jesus at the Last Supper. He's got the disciples around him, and he is going to talk to them about the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. So in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17, he says, this. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, he is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him, receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. And in verse 22, we skip a couple. In verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The words that you hear, the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the father who sent me. I've spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have told you. It's interesting because if you didn't pick up on this, Jesus initially told them something. He said, you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Now, wait a minute. I don't know if you've ever picked this up or not. Jesus is telling them, I got to go so the Holy Spirit can come. But you already know him. You ever caught that before? But you do know him. Because he remains with you and will be in you. Wait a minute. 
He hasn't come yet, but we already know him, and he's going to remain in us, and he will also be in us. So it's, he's, you already know him, he's going to stay in you, but he's also somewhere in the future going to be in you. So there's something already going on, but then there's going to be something else that's going to go on. And that's why then Judas goes, wait a minute. You just said that the world can't receive him because they can't see him and they can't know him, but we already know him. And he's going to remain in us, so it means he's already here. He's going to remain in us, but he will be in us. And Judas goes, wait a minute, I'm lost, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm not following. How are you going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? I mean, so how could something like show up in here, and if there was a bunch of people in here that didn't know Christ, how is it that, uh, that, that you guys who know Christ would see the person, but, but somebody who didn't know Christ wouldn't see the person? Jesus is like, I, I, I'm, I'm not following. I, I don't understand how this is going to happen. And so what does God, God's, <laughs> Jesus answers, he, he's good at this, all right? Jesus doesn't answer the immediate question coming out of the gate. Jesus says first, if, if anybody loves me, then you're going to keep my word. You're going to do what I've told you to do. And my Father will love him, and we, we will come to him and make our home with him. I'm, I'm fixing to drop a nugget on you, and this is not like Danny Vaughn in the thing, and you, know, and you, don't, you better get this nugget, because I know God wants you to get this one. If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word, my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word you hear is not mine, but it's from the Father. He, he, well, he jumps, from, he jumps from me, my Father, and, and the Holy Spirit to we, to me, my Father, and the Holy Spirit to we. He's going to jump back and forth on that for a reason. He says, I've spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, my Father, will send him in my name. You're going to tie all this together here to me. I wish I could just stay right here for a long time today. But he's going to teach you all things and remind you of everything that I've told you. So the Holy Spirit is going to get, he's going to become your teacher. He's going to remind you of the stuff I've told you. So I've said it, but he's going to explain it to you. He's going to teach you in it. And you're going to remember, and, and we see later in New Testament, even after he's gone, that the disciples go, Ah, oh, we remember when Jesus said this. Jesus is telling them right now that's fixing to happen. Jesus is going, hey, so the Holy Spirit, he's going to come and teach you, and he's going to remind you of all the stuff I told you, but my Father's going to be the one who sends him, but he's going to send him in my name. Because me and my Father and the Holy Spirit, we all working together in this deal. It's just, I'm with you right now. And I've made the connection so you can have the relationship with my father, but I got to go. But my father is going to send my brother, if you want to call the Holy Spirit, to now reside in you on my behalf because I was here, but I'm going to leave and he's going to come and my dad's going to be the one that sent him. In Acts chapter 2, well, I, I, I need to back up something for you for just a second. When Jesus says that they already knew the Holy Spirit because he remains with them and will be in them, 
the word that is you, where it says that he's, uh, you already know him, as the plural form. We, see, we miss out on a lot of because of English. We just got you, the word you, Y-O-U. But in the word that was originally used that, that, that Jesus spoke, it was the plural form. He was talking about all of you. All of you already know him. And he's going to remain in all of you. Right? But he then will be in all of you. He's saying that the Holy Spirit is going to be in the collective. But then when we picked up verses 22 through, I think it was 27, he now uses the singular form of you. It's no longer the plural form. So initially he has said, I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit is going to be active in you as a group. But then he is going to reside in you individually. That's so powerful. You're going to know him as a group but you're going to know him as an individual. He's going to operate within you as a group, but he's going to operate within you as an individual. The Holy Spirit then will be present in you individually. There's a a powerful truth in this passage, and it's this. The Trinity of God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit was one God. What Jesus was saying was, and he'd already told them this, he had mentioned this when he talked about his Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You already know him because you've seen him through me. The Bible says that in Jesus dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus is saying, you already know the Holy Spirit because you already know me. My Father and myself and the Holy Spirit are one. So I'm here remaining with you in the flesh. He's going to send the Holy Spirit in the Spirit. But because you've known me, you've known my Father. Because you've known me, you've known the Holy Spirit. So you already know him. Because you know me. There's going to be an expression that happens. There's going to be Acts chapter 2 that we're fixing to read, but he's saying, but it's not going to be some weird stranger showing up that you don't know anything about because I and my Father and the Holy Spirit, we're one. And so you know me, you know him. That's how he can say that you already know him. And he's going to remain because he said, while I'm here with you, I've got to tell you these things. But then... The Holy Spirit is going to come, and then He's going to remain in you. And then at some point, my dad's going to say, I can come back and get you, and you can go be with all three of us. All in one. I know that's that's, that's the hard part. Acts chapter 2, here's what he says. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, (laughs) they were all together in one place. Suddenly... A sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. And tongues like flames of fire that were divided appeared to them and rested on each of them. It's the first time that God ever supported somebody being a hothead. (laughs) Just want to share that with you. That was was a free one. I'm going to charge for that one. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in different languages as the Spirit gave them ability for speech. There were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together. Now, I just want to tell you, there's not too often that you've been involved in a church service where the church service got so loud that people in the community started coming to see what was going on. These folks, I mean, remember, they were in the upper room. They'd been tarrying. That's what that's that good church where we like to use. They'd been tarrying. In other words, they're just hanging out and nobody going home because they were going, look, we stay in here because Jesus says stay. 
Jesus says, stay there. And they say, yes, sir. And so they, they sang and they, they prayed. And, you know, they just having church till, till something. You know, he said there was going to be something happen. They didn't know what it was. They didn't know what it was going to look like. He said, hey, you know, you're going to stay, and then, uh, then I'm going to, the Holy Spirit's going to be sent. So they're just hanging out. All right. God said, stay. We're going to stay. And then all of a sudden, they get these divided tongues of fire that show up. And let's just be honest, man. Y'all would freak out. It'd be like that song. Freak out. <laughs> so y'all, y'all, you'd get tore out the frame. All right, let's just be honest. We'd all get tore out the frame. If all of a sudden, right about now, we were all hanging out because the day of Pentecost arrived. We were all together in one place, and, and I don't know. It doesn't really tell us where they at that moment. Were they in the middle of a worship song? Were, were they, you know, somebody praying? Were they all just kind of sitting there and just meditating quietly? Did they all have their heads bowed and their eyes closed? I don't think that was what was going on. And then all of a sudden there's this violent a sound, not like a violent rushing wind from heaven, Fills the whole place. So we're all sitting here in church, and all of a sudden, there's a sound like a tornado coming all up in here. And y'all know, y'all would all be like, what is, whoa, whoa, what's going on? Sound guy, it's him. Let's blame it on him, right? They didn't have a sound guy. So they knew it wasn't that. And then all of a sudden, you got all that, that violent wind sound going on, and all of a sudden, you're looking at your neighbor. We were talking about this yesterday at the men's conference. That's a church thing. Look at your neighbor and, you know, you looked at your neighbor, and your neighbor had a flame up on top of their head that was divided. And you were going, dude, your hair's on fire. And he's going, so is yours. And y'all looking around, and everybody else has got the flame going on up on their head. And it sounds like a tornado's in the place. And all of a sudden, everybody else that's in the room starts speaking some other language. Somebody's over here, I mean, if we were in today, somebody's rattling some French off, somebody's off in some Russian, somebody's speaking some Kenyan, somebody's over here, somebody's doing Spanish. I want to be that guy because I've never been able to roll R's in my life. I would want to be that guy that was just rolling those R's off like rain. You know, where I could say, holy is the Lord, and that R would roll, that would be so awesome, man. And somebody, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden there's so much commotion going on in this little place right here that people in the community start going, man, there's something going on. There's just like this noise, this wind, and, and then they show up, and, and, and man, we're just, we're just walking around, just talking, because that's what it says, that's what it says was going on. And it says, uh, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking different languages, the Spirit gave them the ability to speak, and there was all these devout men from every nation and when this occurred, they came together and they were confused because every one of them heard people speaking in their own language. And they were astounded and amazed and they said, wait a minute, aren't all these people from Aniston? And I bet most of them don't have a college degree. <laughs> we're just making this. This is the NIV version, the Nathan Inverted version. You're going, isn't that what this is? How are these people speaking our languages? How is it each of us can hear them? There was Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia, and Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. So somebody was speaking, they were speaking some, some Asian language. Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking about the magnificent acts of God in our own languages. They were all astounded, perplexed, saying to one another, what could this be? 
What the what the? What is this? Somebody said, man, they're all drunk. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've been around some drunk people before. I've been around some drunk people here before. Okay, we've all been around some drunk people here before. I've been around some drunk folks. They didn't start speaking Russian if they didn't know Russian. <laughs> they didn't start speaking Spanish. They didn't start speaking Greek or Latin or any of that stuff. I've never seen that happen. I've never seen somebody, you know, get some, some of that wild turkey going on, some of that Irish rose. I ain't seen that happen. They said, Mother, man, these stores, they sell some stuff, and I, I'm telling you, I think you could probably clean the wax off of floors, it looks like, with some of that junk. But, but I, I ain't never seen anybody get all lit up with that stuff, and all of a sudden they just started, you know, speaking some other language. I've not understood what they were saying. <laughs> But, but it was not because they were speaking another language. So somebody got the bright idea and said, ah, they're all drunk. But Peter stood up in the middle of this. He stood up with the other 11. And he raised his voice and he proclaimed to them, men of Jerusalem and all you residents of Jerusalem, or men of Judah and all you residents of Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you and pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel, and it will be in the last days that God, I'll pour out my spirit on all humanity. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on those male and female slaves in those days, and they will prophesy, because God doesn't, God doesn't distinguish between people. Men cause problems like slavery. Anyway, I'll display wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and remarkable day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So moving forward, the Holy Spirit no longer came upon people temporarily. In the Old Testament, you didn't see an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. What you saw was that the Holy Spirit would show up, would empower someone. It's kind of like Samson, right? Samson would be there and he would be, uh, and, and, and the Holy Spirit would come on him and he would do some magnificent act. It wasn't that Samson was just this massive strong man per se all the time, but, but the, the, the Spirit of God would move on him and all of a sudden this powerful stuff would happen. You would see somebody where the, the Holy Spirit would move and they would do something. They might prophesy something or they might do whatever. But you would often see it would come on them and then it would leave because he had not come yet to dwell in them until we get to Acts. After Jesus came and prepared the way, Jesus was the agent that brought about the Holy Spirit being able to come and live inside you because now salvation comes through Christ and not through the actions of obedience to the law. And so Jesus made the way. He was the agent for the Holy Spirit to come. And then going forward after that, the Holy Spirit then is the one that draws in order for you to receive Jesus. I'll throw that out. That one. That was a friend. Let me give you that one again because that one's a little tough if you don't catch the, the wordage on it. Jesus became the agent that allowed the Holy Spirit to come, but the Holy Spirit is the agent of salvation then because the Holy Spirit draws you. You come to Christ. When you accept Christ, now the Holy Spirit can then dwell. They work together. I'm not going to hit these other two points today. It's, it's already, uh, it's right, right before noon, and, and um, I've got two other points, and I know we're having small groups tonight to cover this. Maybe we'll, we'll jump into those tonight. Um, I do want to, I want to jump over and, and, um, and talk just a little bit about one thing. If you can pull the main down a little bit, something's getting bumped or something, because 
I'm getting feedback all of a sudden. Um, I want to jump over to real quick to Ephesians chapter four, uh, verses fifteen and sixteen, in order to uh, to close this out. There's a bunch of scripture in the rest of this that um, that I'm not going to be able to get to, but I want to give you Ephesians four fifteen and sixteen. That's what it says. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. By the proper working of each individual part. So we saw early that God talked about that you're individuals, but yet you're one body and you're members one of another. We'll pick up these other two uh, next, next week, so I don't, I'm not going to leave you hanging on some of this. But, but the most important thing when it comes to us understanding, first, the spiritual gifts in the Old Testament and then the promise of the, of the gifts and of the Holy Spirit to come, which we saw there in Acts chapter 2, and as he came, then one of the initial things that happened then was that he caused them to begin to speak in other languages. Um, you actually don't, I just want to share this because I know there's some different, uh, there's some different beliefs denominationally and things like that, but um, you, you don't see anywhere else necessarily where that, um, that the Every time that, that somebody gets saved or that every time that, that somebody receives, um, even in the New Testament where they receive the Holy Spirit that had not received yet, um, it's not so much about an, an issue of necessarily speaking in a, a known language or an unknown language. or There's not really a necessary pattern uh, that we see. We see there in, the, in, the, in Acts chapter 2 absolutely that they spoke in known other languages. If we do a lot of study, which we'll get into some of this, maybe um, maybe not not today, obviously, but um, we see some other things where the Bible talks about uh, some languages that no one understands, and that that uh, then there's some operation defined in the New Testament about um, interpretation and things like that in the in the church. I want us to not get hung up when it comes to spiritual gifting of just looking at Acts chapter 2 and focusing on that, uh, just trying to be a, uh, a Pentecostal focus on something about tongues. I see that there was the gifting that happened with artisans, if you will, artists in the Old Testament. We'll see that, yes, when the Holy Spirit came, he made them witnesses there in Acts chapter 2. We'll see next week as we hit um, the other two sections of this that there are other things that, that God also does that are spiritual gifting. I want you to walk away today being able to understand that you need to be, you need to be reading God's Word and seeing where God gifted people beyond just... The, the simple things where we see the quote-unquote gifts of the Spirit, um, where we see tongues and a word of knowledge and interpretation and some of those things, um, you need to see other things where 
that, that God has gifted people. And you need to be asking God, God, what, where have you gifted me? I understand there's people who create all kind of lists and there's all these spiritual gifting tests and all this stuff that you can go do. And I always think it's ironic when somebody takes some spiritual gifting test and they're like, oh, I got the gift of hospitality. And you don't like to have people at your house. I mean, and you never have. But they're all of a sudden like, yeah, but I got this gift. I'm thinking probably not. I'm thinking the test is probably wrong because you had not been wanting anybody to be at your house before now. Um, so I'm not worried about you trying to find some online spiritual gifting test or something like that to take. I'm not saying they're bad or whatever. My point is work with God. Work with God on this. Start looking at your life and saying, God, where, where, where are the things that I feel the most connected to you when I'm doing these things? For some people, they're going to say, hey, I just love to cook. I love when I'm serving and cooking something for somebody and taking it to somebody that needs it. You know, well, then maybe there's an area where God is gifting you, unless everybody's telling you that your food's terrible, you know. <laughs> and maybe you just like to serve. Maybe you just need to be the server and not to cook, okay? But, but maybe then, you know, you say, well, hey, I, just, I, like, I, I work with kids, or I do this, or I enjoy being a mechanic, or I enjoy doing this, and Man, I, I'm good at it, and I love it, and I'm passionate about it, and I, and I like to go help somebody. If somebody else, their car's broken down, and I've got that ability, or, hey, there's something that they need built on their house, and, and I'm good at that, and I, and I enjoy it, and I feel fulfillment when I do that. Maybe that God's gifting you in that. You need to ask God, God, is this something that you want me to pursue and develop and grow and because you want to use it? How powerful. I can't imagine what must it have been like to have been hanging around, out around those dudes in the Old Testament when God empowered them with all those crafting abilities. Can you imagine what that stuff must have looked like? I mean, God empowered them to do this. This isn't just like somebody's really good and they're cool, you know. God empowered somebody to be able to design this stuff and then make it. That had to be pretty awesome. Y'all got that in you. It's just in your particular thing. It's going to be pretty awesome if you'll release God to do that stuff in your life. The rest of us kind of get to see how God's going to use your gift. And it's going to be something better than what you could have done on your own, what you could have designed on your own in your life, what you could have put together because God's empowered you to do something. He's gifted you. We'll talk some more about that next week. I want to, let's, let's pray for a moment. God, thank you. Thank you for the fact that you let us see in the Old Testament that you gave people and gifted people with some things. Your Spirit empowered people with things that were every day. It wasn't just that Oh, man, I'm gifted to do something on Sundays. Thank God. God, I thank you for the fact that you do give abilities and talents and people to be greeters and smile and people that cook and make breakfast out here and folks that just shake people's hands and listen to folks and encourage people and all those things that maybe we even take for granted on Sundays. But, but God, you empowered people to be craftsmen and to design things and embroider things and weave things and, and carve things, all that stuff. 
And then you turned around and, and you promised the Holy Spirit who empowered that in people that He wouldn't just like come on us and empower us for a moment. But we live in the time when you said that He's going to come and live in you. Because when, when the Holy Spirit comes that you will receive power. God, I pray that this week you're going to help people to see the individual things that you have gifted them to do sitting right here today that they may not have thought about. They don't think about the thing that they're good at at work being something that you could have gifted them in. They don't think about the hobby or the craft that they do at home or the, the work they do on restoring a car or the work that they do uh, uh, putting some design together for a friend, drawing and art. Thing. Maybe they don't even think about that as... They may go, well, I know that, that God probably gave me that talent, but, but as a gifting that has a purpose, they just think about it as, you know, I enjoy it and I have fun and whatever, but God, if we will release you to use those things, we're going to impact way more than we can do on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights because you have given those gifts and those talents and those abilities into people and if we will allow ourselves to let you bring them to full completion, we'll impact this community. Father, I pray that you'll reveal those things to every person here in their individual lives this week. I pray that throughout this week that we're going to be getting text messages and Facebook postings from people and stuff going, guys, I really feel like that God has gifted me in this area and I just hadn't realized it. I knew I had it a bit, but I hadn't thought about using that for God. Eye-opening aha moments, Father. Thank you. God, I pray most importantly that the biggest gift that you've ever given us would come to realization in our lives if we haven't already, and that is the gift of Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior. God, if there's a single person that has not said, I want you to be Lord of my life, in charge, as well as my Savior, to change my eternity. And God, I pray that today that'll happen. Simple, just admitting that I'm a sinner in need of you, believing that Jesus lived and died for my sins, was raised again, now sits at your right hand, Father, and pleads my case, but he paid my, my penalty. And I'll just confess that. And your word says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then the same shall be saved. And then we can move to this life of living out the giftings and the callings that you have put on our lives. I pray that will happen for somebody today. Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory. I ask that you would pour out your blessings on each one of us. And tonight as we gather together in these small groups, I pray that you will help us to Maybe today we'll think about some of the giftings that you've done and really being able to talk to one another about that so that we can engage, engage our lives into your plan. I just pray and believe these things in the name of your Son and our strong Savior, Jesus Christ. Church together said, Amen. Amen.